Specialty Story, session number 154. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Now, welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians and talk about their specialties, why they chose it, what they love about it, what they don't like about it, and lots of advice for you as you are navigating your journey to becoming a physician and ultimately one day picking a specialty. Today, I'm talking to a pediatric hospitalist, Dr. Jamie Walters, who has been out of training now for almost seven years. Now, she's an academic pediatric hospitalist, and we're going to talk all about what led her to that specialty and all about that specialty. Now, this week, I have Dr. Jamie Walters, who's an academic pediatric hospitalist who's been practicing out of training now for almost seven years. And we're going to talk all about what led Dr. Walters to her specialty of being a pediatric hospitalist, what she loves about it, what she doesn't like about it, and lots of advice for you. So let's go ahead and dive in, say hello to Dr. Jamie Walters, and find out what led her to begin with to pediatric hospitalist medicine. Sure. So I actually didn't want to do pediatrics until the end of third year. Um, I was very motivated to do OB-GYN. Um, and if you look at my activities in med school, they were all centered around OB-GYN. Um, however, when I went into the OR, I really disliked the OR. Um, knew I didn't like it, knew I wouldn't be good at it. Just, just what didn't interest me whatsoever. Um, but when I did my pediatrics rotation, uh, definitely the pathophysiology and the disease processes interested me much more than anything else had. Um, and so I started really thinking about pediatrics and also really enjoyed the newborn side of it. Um, and I feel that that is common that people bounce back and forth between OB-GYN and peds. But so by the end of third year was really when I kind of basically when I had to apply, I made that decision. What was it about OB that you really loved that even, even with that love the OR was like, nope, I'm out. My love of whatever it was, it's not that strong. Yeah. So I think what pulled me to OB-GYN is the same thing that pulls me to peds is the primary care aspect, the advocacy aspect, the taking care of the underserved. Um, We did a lot of, I went to medical school in University of Miami and we did a lot of free clinics um, and I was running the OB-GYN station and just really enjoyed that piece of it. Um, and so I thought that that's why I wanted to do OB-GYN. Um, but the actual disease processes and the OR and just the actual surgeries, I noticed during my surgery rotation, not even during OB-GYN, that I just couldn't get into it for four or five hours. Um, I really liked seeing patients. I really liked being in the hospital. Um, I really liked the me- I really liked medis- medicine and that side of it, even in the adult medicine. So I knew that I wanted to just do something more cerebral um, than with my hands in surgery. Yeah. Interesting. What traits do you think lead to someone being a good pediatric hospitalist? I'd say the same traits as most professions. So, well, most um, medical professions, 
hospital medicine, um, you're working with families, you're not, you're working with them and you have to establish a relationship quickly. Um, these people don't know you, they're scared. You're usually being introduced to them during one of their worst times because they were not planning on being admitted and they come into the ER and find out that they're going to be in the hospital. So really knowing how to establish that relationship, establish trust with that family quickly is a big trait that you need to have. So communication skills um, are probably the one of the most important. And then diagnostic, I think that's what really drew me to medicine in uh, general more in, in when I was in medical school, what I really liked about internal medicine and pediatrics, the diagnostic part, um, you, that's a lot, a big part of my job, figuring out what's going on and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so really kind of sitting with all the facts and looking at everything and trying to figure that out. Now let's dive into exactly what pediatric hospitalist medicine sure. is. I think hospitalist medicine in general is still relatively new. And then pediatric hospitalist, I think a lot of students are going to be scratching their heads back. What does that actually mean? Right. Yeah. So it's actually, you're right. hundred percent. It's very new. Um, and actually this first year was the first year we could get boarded in it. And I took that exam this past November and um, I'm now boarded in pediatric hospital medicine. Um, so pediatric hospitalists work in a variety of settings. They can work in academic medicine. Um, they can work in community hospitals, but they their primary site, right, is the hospital. Um, but they often work in the newborn side where they see brand new babies born. They may be managing a lower level NICU. Uh, they also will work on the inpatient side, see all the patients who are admitted. Um, and then if they work in a community hospital, um, you would see patients uh, in the ER um, and sometimes even the higher level or the lower level PICU or the higher level um, inpatient. So for me in particular, I see all inpatient pediatrics and uh, newborns. So it's only in the hospital. We don't do any outpatient medicine at all. Um, and right now, after since we are now boarded, uh, there is a fellowship for two years that you do after pediatrics. Wow. Who was seeing all these patients before this pediatric hospitalist was a thing? The outpatient pediatricians would be managing the inpatients. They would come around in the morning, go back to their offices, um, and then hosp- the hospitalist just started Okay. Taking over that space and it's it's much easier for them and a lot of the outpatient doctors are happy to pass off that <laughs> that piece. Yeah, that's the the old the, the the kind of former glory of what medicine used to be of you would follow your patients into the hospital and out of the hospital and all around but now there's there's physicians just stationed ready to take over. Yeah. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions about pediatric hospitalist medicine or are there any since it's so new? So the misperceptions are, I think, similar to what they are for the hospitalist in internal medicine, that because we don't know the patients, that we not, might not be able to take care of them as well, um, that we don't have those relationships with the patients. But, you know, we are really specialized in seeing the patients in the hospital, knowing those uh, that disease process, knowing how to take care of acute emergencies. And so... I think a lot of people, if they, if they, when they shadow with the medical student shadow with us, they realize that there is just a whole nother, um, thought process that goes through versus seeing a healthy kid in the clinic, which is completely different than seeing a sick kid in the hospital. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What types of 
patients does a pediatric hospital see? Are you are you seeing? You mentioned kind of the newborn side of things, but uh, I'm assuming the NICU staff still sees the the really sick kids, and the PICU is still seeing those really sick kids. What what's the kind of range of what you're seeing? Yeah, kids get really sick with a couple main diseases. So respiratory disease is huge for us. So asthma, um, exacerbations, pneumonia, um, bronchiolitis, um, and then gastroenteritis. They come in, patients come in a lot for dehydration. Um, so those are the two big ones for your healthy kids. And then now with all of our big advancement in NICU medicine, we, a lot of kids are living longer. Um, that's also goes for chronic, any chronic congenital disease that, um, before was, they would die kids would die younger and now they're living longer with G-tubes, trachs, et cetera. So we are really the complex care physicians as well. Um, we get to know these kids intimately who come in and out of the hospital a lot with um, different, with the same diseases, pneumonia, bronchiolitis, gastroenteritis, constipation is a big one as well. Um, but because they're so complex, they require a lot more care and have a lot more medications, et cetera. Um, another one I didn't mention, we're very ID heavy. So a lot of septic arthritis, osteomyelitis, um, line infections. Those are the big things that we see, um, with Pete's hospitalist. Interesting. What does a typical day look like for you? Yeah. So it's, I do shift to work. Um, so it's very dependent on which service I'm on. So I, if I'm on the floors, I have a very traditional academic practice. We round with the residents in the morning around um, nine o'clock after morning report at eight. Um, I round with them from nine to 12, going over the new patients, patients that are going to go home, et cetera, seeing everybody doing t- classic teaching rounds. Um, and then my day is usually filled with meetings in the afternoons. I'm also associate program director for our pediatric residency program. Um, and then I will go back to see the team, run the list with them, go over any new admissions that um, I need to see or um, patients who are there and just need a, need me to go back and see them again and come up with a contingency plans for the nighttime team. And so I'm usually done around four or five. Um, if I'm on a newborn nursery, it's all new babies in the mornings and then uh, procedures in the afternoon, like circumcisions or frontalotomies, um, which is cutting for tongue ties. Um, but so, and that one's, yeah, all brand new babies. Now that I think the, the, the adult hospitalist world is very common to do seven on seven off. Is that typical on the pediatric side as well? No. Yes. For community. Um, but yes. So I guess, yes, for community hospitalists, um, not as much for academic hospitalists. We do do seven days on often for, um, our inpatient week, but we won't just have them seven off and do another seven. Um, we usually then have scattered shifts of either newborn nursery. A lot of pediatric hospitalist programs have a float or an extra person that is, they might call it the admitting physician. It's the person that basically holds the pager or the cell phone or ASCOM, whatever they have, um, and field all new questions and triage all new admissions. And so we have that as well. And so that's a shift that's scattered throughout. So I might do two or three of those in a row, but not seven. Yeah. I'm assuming one of the benefits is that there really is no call, kind of similar to emergency medicine. As a hospitalist, you go in, you do your shift, and you go home, and there's there's no coming back in. Yeah, so mine does have a call. I know I said shift work, um, <laughs> but it's a little bit like of a mix and it's really confusing unless you're in it. It's yeah. hard 
but when I'm on the, um, we do do a lot of weekend calls, Friday night calls. We are on, um, during the week, if we don't have a night doc, just depending on staffing models, we'll be on call for that night. But we did just recently add a, a nighttime person just Monday through Thursday. So those nights, it is really nice not to have call, even though we all have to do that night shift as well. So, but it's nice to kind of knock that week out without in one, just get it over with and be tired that week, but then not have to have call the rest. So that's really nice. Yeah, that is nice. What does the, the, like, being in the hospital and this weird shift work, not shift work. Do you feel like you have enough time for life outside of the hospital if you want it? Yeah. A lot of residents ask me that same question because it hospitals, the downside is right. We work on weekends and holidays. So yeah. at first glance, it might look like there isn't that much time, but the thing that I love the most about my job is that I'm home practically every single night for dinner, um, which is quite unheard of. I feel like in medicine, it's sometimes hard to get home that quickly. Um, so I feel like from a, from the day to day, I actually have a lot of balance since I'm home um, for dinner. I have a six year old, so I get to be home for bedtime and all that special time. <laughs> I have a six year old <laughs> too. I, I don't know. Special time. Yeah. Crazy well, time. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Um, and then the thing I love about hospital medicine that I think is undervalued is that I get random weekdays off. And when you, whether or not you have kids or not, it's nice to have a random Tuesday off to get things done. Yeah. Um, or I can go to a field trip or a uh, school party if I need to. Mm-hmm. So it's despite working on weekends and holidays, which at first glance looked terrible, it's awesome that I can also be super involved with my kids' activities despite having a full-time job. So I think that's what I really enjoy um, about our schedule. And it makes the times when I'm working Christmas or New Year's or weekends a little bit easier to take because I've been so involved in other ways. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the, the, because there's a board certification now, there's a fellowship. So three years pediatric residency, and then you said two-year fellowship program? Correct. Interesting. How many programs are there in the country at this point? Oh, that's a great question. A lot? Like a dozen? um, About, well, there's probably about 40. Okay. Last I checked, there was about 40, and yeah. I'm guessing because we just became an official um, American board specialized, like we have the official boards now, that that's drastically increasing. Wow. Um, but there is only about in the 40s, which is actually one of the biggest concerns about us becoming a specialist um, because the job pipeline is going to get smaller. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. How competitive do you think for, for students listening to this now and in several years after they're through medical school and residency, how competitive do you think it's going to be? To get into Pete's hospital medicine? Yeah. Specifically? Yeah. It's pretty competitive. Um, there's always people who don't match right now just because of the number of spots that are in Pete's hospital medicine. The one good thing right now is that much like when ER became a specialist many years ago, or specialty many years ago, um, people are still hiring general pediatricians as Pete's hospitalists right out of residency. Now, in 10, 15 years, it might not be that way, but then I would also hope that by then there'll be enough fellowships that there'll be enough spots for everyone to match. Yeah. Just like ER. How much, so so typical kind of pediatrics, you, you look at the the breakdown of where most pediatricians work it's in an outpatient setting obviously hospitalist medicine is inpatient setting what does that look like for the training path uh, being a resident being a fellow for this new pediatric hospitalist medicine where are students typically 
or where are the, the residents and fellows typically? Academic centers for the fellows, 100%. All yeah. the big centers um, are, were the first ones to have fellowships. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the smaller residency programs are developing fellowships as well. Um, we were in the midst of trying one to develop one as well. But um, usually it's the big academic medical centers with the medical school attached to it for the fellowships. Yeah. For pediatrics, it's a lot more spread out. There's big programs where you have a ton of residents. There's also programs like ours that's a medium size with 40-something residents, 41-two residents. Um, there's also much smaller in smaller community hospitals. There's a lot of pediatric residencies throughout the country, so that's completely different. Yeah. Once someone is interested in pediatric hospitalist medicine, if they want to further subspecialize, is there any of those options at this point or no? a great question so no not right that i know of um but there are pediatric hospital medicine is a lot more broad than people realize um so depending on your interests people might go into more hospital administration that's a big one because we have to work so closely with the hospital administrators you really can't be a hospitalist without doing some type of administrative role Mm. myself included we go to a bunch of meetings um there's also people who may do just newborn hospitalist or hemonc hospitalist, PT monk. Um, so they're not necessarily a track to specialize in those things, but they tend to become themselves sub sub specialized because they're just working in that setting. Yeah. Interesting. For the osteopathic medical student listening to this or resident listening to this, what, what do they need to do to overcome any potential negative bias? I mean, maybe I'm too far out now, but um, in pediatrics, we really don't care. Um, It really is nothing like other specialties when it comes to MD versus DO. Um, I mean, my advice would be to, like any specialty, right? The steps still matter. Um, Whether or not they should, they still do. Um, So really focusing on making sure you have strong scores and doing really well in your clinical years. We care about the steps, but in pediatrics, we really care about the clinical things. Um, We really care how you perform clinically in your third year rotations and having good letters of recommendation. I think if you have those things and MDDO really doesn't matter nearly as much as it does in other specialties. Let's talk about the rotations for a second. The yeah. As a student is going through, assuming COVID is over and we can actually go on rotations and do this stuff again, uh, what should a student be doing to make themselves look like a, a potentially good candidate? Sure. So doing a pediatric sub-I is a must. Um, so if your school requires you to do a sub-I in pediatrics, it's not an option. Um, I would even though it stinks, encourage you to do a second sub in pediatrics. That's huge um, to kind of show that when you're put in that position of an intern, you could you can do well. Mm-hmm. Then newborn medicine, um, GI, infectious disease, more of the general um, ped subspecialties, doing those to kind of really get yourself ready for intern year. Um, there's nothing necessarily specific, but newborn is a big one because most medical schools uh, don't have a lot of newborn exposure. Um, and then supplementing it with this, with the pediatric subspecialty, subspecialties like infectious disease and GI, I think are really useful for anybody coming into intern year. Yeah. What other specialties do you work the closest with? Pulmonology, um, ER, PICU. Those are the big ones with GI and ID. Um, 
we work with all of them, um, adolescent, genetics, those other ones too, but those, and, and pediatric surgery, a lot, pediatric surgery. We do a lot of um, post-op co-management with both peds surge, peds neurosurge, and peds um, orthopedic surgery. Yeah. For going back to before you went into pediatric hospitals medicine, what, what would you go back and tell yourself that you know now? This is for peds in general. Um, you don't have to love kids to go into pediatrics. And let me put that in because it sounds weird when it comes out of my mouth like that. But what I mean is I think there's this common misperception that you had to have grown up loving kids and babysitting and doing all those kid-friendly activities <laughs> in order to be a pediatrician. You don't. You really don't. You need to be a really good physician. You need to be a good person. You need to communicate well. Um, I was discouraged early on because I wasn't the type of bubbly, happy personality that everybody always pictures a pediatrician. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be like that. Um, and you also don't have to have a child to be a pediatrician. I think there's a common misperception, again, that if you go into pediatrics, you have to have a kid in order to understand it. We don't require that of any other specialty. <laughs> like, you don't have to have cancer to be an oncologist, right? So. Yeah. I really am. That's the big thing. I think uh, students are discouraged if they don't feel like they fit into that bubbly personality um, that is so often put together with peds. Peds is so much bigger than that. And peds hospital medicine is, is, is different as well. So you just pick whatever you like um, and you can then kind of figure out what, once you get into peds, which subspecialty you like or, or doing outpatient pediatrics is awesome as well. What do you like the most about being a pediatric hospitalist? That I get to take care of everyone. Um, I have never been a business person. I never wanted to be in a practice where I had to worry about insurance status. Um, I like that I can take care of every single person that walks through the door. Um, And then I I also like taking care of the complex care patients. Uh, We've really become the the specialist in that. And it's to me, it's really gratifying to take care of patients who are in and out of the hospital with so many issues. But um, I'd, I'd like to becoming a specialist for those kids as well. What do you like the least? Hmm. Um, I mean, probably that word is kind of, you don't go into Pete's hospital medicine thinking you're going to be revered, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody is like, oh my gosh, it was the Pete's hospitalist. They did <laughs> such a great job. So I tell residents that all the time. Don't expect to be the don't, you're not going to get letters from your patients. You're not going to have nurse, uh, not nursing, administrative staff think you're the best thing ever. So you really have to be okay with your own awesomeness or whatever you want to call it in your one-on-one care with your patients. Um, and be okay with that. It's not, you're not going to have these long-term relationships. Um, nor are you going to, like I said, get a lot of, uh, positive feedback from anyone at the top. So just be okay. That's the one thing I wish not that you need your ego stroked, but it sometimes it's nice to be appreciated. So it's definitely, I think probably similar to ER and um, where you just, you come in, you do the work and you do a really good job. Um, and if you're not recognized, that's fine. It's just, it's the job. Um, the kids are, the kids appreciate you in so many ways. So that makes it all worth it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things I, I try to recommend to as many people as possible who will listen as soon as you can start relying on internal validation and, and not need it externally, things get a lot easier typically. 
Oh, yes, it's a, a good thing to to try to seek is the internal validation. Know that that everything you're doing is is good for you. Mm-hmm. Do you see any major changes? Right, we obviously had a, a major change with the creation of pediatric hospitalist medicine. Do you see any big shifts potentially coming up that a student or a resident coming up should be aware of? No, only because we just had that big one. I think right now the focus of many pediatric programs is to get a fellowship so that there can be enough spots. None of us want to see a situation where we have a lot of Pete's hospitalist jobs and no, nobody to fill them. Um, Especially in our community hospitals, it's hard enough for community hospitals to hire pediatric hospitalists just because it's no, it's no secret that pediatrics is not a big hospital moneymaker. And so it's hard enough to get people out into the community hospitals out into the rural areas. Yeah. So we're all hoping that there, if anything, there's going to be a way big increase in fellowships. Um, that's the only big difference. And everyone's going to be shifted into going into fellowships up until about this year when I mentored residents. I said that you could go into pedi- pediatric hospital medicine pretty much either way um, by just going into it right out of residency or going into fellowship. Unfortunately for our current residents and medical students coming up, that's not going to be an option. They're going to have to do fellowship if they want to be boarded in it. So um, that, I mean, those are the big things that we're all just trying to mentor students on right now. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you be a pediatric hospitalist? Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Any last words of wisdom for students thinking about pediatrics or wanting to look into pediatric hospitalist medicine? Well, um, I mean, peds is the best, right? So (laughs) that would be my only thing. And honestly, this goes for any specialty. When you are a medical student, you're picking your specialty. Don't focus too much on schedule and lifestyle. You can make your job what you want it to be. Um, pick what you really love because at the end of the day, if you have a great schedule, um, but you come in and during your eight to 10 hour, 12 hour day, you don't like the work. It really doesn't matter if you have a great schedule. So pick the specialty that you enjoy. And then this, with this day and age, you can make your schedule how you need it. So don't worry. All right. So there you have it again, Dr. Jamie Walters, pediatric hospitalist with some good insight for you into pediatric hospitalist medicine. If you're interested in pediatric hospital medicine, go reach out to some of your local hospitals, local pediatricians, and see if they have pediatric hospitalists at their hospital to see if you can go in and shadow. Now, obviously, as we're recording this in the middle of a pandemic, maybe that isn't possible right this minute, but it doesn't hurt to reach out and maybe even do some quote-unquote virtual shadowing where you can still ask questions to that physician. I hope you have a great week. We will see you next week with another great episode of Specialty Stories.